Well, praise the Lord. Great to be with you again tonight. It's always a treat to be invited. Sure. Kids, uh, you're welcome to leave. <laughs> and anybody who feels like a kid, you're welcome to go too. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> we're, we're excited, delighted to be here, of course, and just to share the love. How many of you were here this morning? Did we have a good time? Yes. Hallelujah. And the Father's love. You know, like I always tell people, whether you know it or not, or whether you believe it or not, or whether you like it or not, God loves you completely. There's no disappointment in the Father concerning you. None. So stop living disappointed with yourself. And uh, what we shared this morning about coming and dining and feasting on the Lamb. It's a whole new view of you. Remember, Jesus is God's opinion of you. And until that settles in your spirit, you'll never fully understand the love of the Father. It's got to grip your soul. And it's the only thing that will deliver you from you in all your performance to try to qualify and try to have a goosebump religion that's based on your moralism or your performance. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of us who live like that and I'm trying to free myself from that, where my position before the Father's got nothing to do with me. It's got everything to do with the Lamb. And that's why I'm feasting on the finished work of Jesus, and I'm enjoying it. Hallelujah. I just pull up to the Father's table and say, pile it on. High and deep. I'm all in. Glory to God. And whatever he puts on the platter... I choose to swallow it. Now, it's hard. It takes faith. And I told you this morning when I taught, those of you who missed it, you should get one of the CDs from the services. But I told you this morning that what the Father places on the table periodically is hard to swallow. And that's where I'm going to pick up tonight because really the fullness of the grace of God and the love of God is so indescribably delicious. You know, you got to taste and see that the Lord is good. It's only the goodness of God that leads you to change your worldview. You know, the Bible says it's the goodness of God that leads you to repent. Remember, I described repentance this morning. It's not just, you know, rolling on the ground, you know, disappointed with yourself and saying, oh, God, it's me again. I'm a loser. Forgive me. I have sinned again. No, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about changing your mind to put your confidence completely in the Lamb. The love of the Lamb is what anchors you in every way and in every day. And that's why you have to feast on the work of Jesus. So get that CD this morning. How many of you were not here this morning? Raise your hands high. You were praying for the Super Bowl, weren't you? No, you weren't. Okay. I'm, I'm glad you're here tonight. But those of you who weren't here, make sure you get it. Also, uh, our magazines uh, of the 30th anniversary of Mutual Faith, they're, they're, uh, they're all gone. You can't have one. <laughs> anyway, but uh, they're going to be sent out next week um, from the office. So if you'd like to get it, just leave your name and address and we'll put you on the mailing list or the email list. You can get a digital copy of the magazine as well. And then the gift I had for everybody, the value of the treasure, my new book that came out a week ago. Remember I told you, you read it and read it again, read it with a highlighter, then read it again and then read it again. And then once a month for the balance of the year, read it until you're consumed with God's view of you. And uh, that's why I like this book. You can put it in your pocket. You can read it at a break, at lunch hour, something like that. And I know it'll bless you abundantly. But let's uh, share a couple things with you first before I teach. But I was enjoying preaching right then. I, 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 I really like that. But let me just pause. Let me just show you next month, uh, Heidi and I, in about four weeks from now or thereabouts, Heidi and I leave for the Middle East. And, uh, you know, there's still chaos and pain and problems, but you all were a part of the miracle there, the debt-free uh, Middle East Life Center. So let's show a quick video on what's happening there. In Beirut, Lebanon, Mutual Faith Ministries continues to reach thousands of people with the love of Jesus Christ. Annually, we host events like Kingdom Fiesta, including leadership seminars, as well as concerts and theatrical productions. Some events are even broadcast on live television to the Middle Eastern region. Additionally, we mentor and train scores of needy children, many who are Syrian refugees at our Spring of Life School on the Middle East Life Center campus. During this past year, the influx of nearly one million refugees from the neighboring war-torn country of Syria 
has posed enormous challenges in the nation of Lebanon and throughout the region. The Middle East Life Center is a place where hundreds of refugees just show up, needing food, clothing, and medical assistance. Mutual Faith Lebanon has been used mightily to bring help and hope and the message of God's great love and acceptance in Christ Jesus. We are seeing hundreds of people receive God's love and grace, and we are so delighted to see many of the children grow and learn through all the mentoring and training programs. Thank you for supporting this vital ministry in this very troubled region of the Middle East. We want everyone, everywhere to know of God's great love. Awesome. Isn't that wonderful? Praise the Lord. So uh, we're, we're excited. We're honored to be there and share the love. And uh, hundreds and hundreds of people are putting their faith in the one who did it all. And it's the beauty of presenting the gospel uh, in a way where you think it'd be uh, resistant to the gospel, but it's so embracive. See, people want to know they're loved by God and they're accepted by God. And, and they want to know uh, how to qualify and uh, they've been pre-approved. So when you give them good news like that, that you're good to God because of the land, they say, you've got to be kidding me. And then the love of the Father saturates the souls of men and women and uh, transformations happen. So we're excited about it. But uh, let me just show you one other video before I preach. And I want to show you about Life Center USA. And I told you the story briefly this morning that uh, on December 6th, we closed escrow in Southern California on a dream that we've had for many, many years called Life Center USA. After 30 years of international missions ministry, Mutual Faith Ministries okay. has just been able to acquire Life Center USA. You know, this has been a dream of my wife Heidi and I all these years to have a campus in America that's reflective of things we do all over the world. In fact, Life Center USA will mirror much of what we do at our Life Center campus in Beirut, Lebanon, at our Middle East Life Center, including hosting great conferences like Kingdom Fiesta and leadership seminars, concerts, and all kinds of theatrical productions, as well as broadcasting live television events throughout the region. In similar fashion, Life Center USA includes a beautiful sanctuary for conferences and training, as well as a wonderful gymnasium for banquets, concerts, and theater, and countless classrooms for missionary and evangelistic training, as well as mentoring programs. Additionally, Life Center USA will equip kids in need and facilitate help and hope in hundreds of families throughout the community. This campus will also host various churches of different language groups and nationalities and also be a hub to feed and meet the needs of many of the poor people throughout this region. At just over 23,000 square feet, Life Center USA campus was purchased for $2,350,000, or approximately $100 per square foot. We believe that as we convey the marvelous message of God's unconditional love and acceptance, that thousands of lives will be transformed and that the campus will be completely debt-free by the year 2020. Thanks for joining us on this journey. Let's continue to share the wonderful love of God in Christ. Thanks for helping. And don't forget, God loves you completely. And we do too. Awesome. Isn't that wonderful? So that's a reality. And uh, we thank the Lord for the acquisition. And this month, by the grace of God, we'll have our loan in place and I'll be able to pay back all the wonderful people who've helped with swing loan funds and uh, to do that deal was just really astonishing how the Lord surprises you with faith you know when you behold the lamb you just suddenly are are energized with vision and capacity to dream crazy thoughts and put corresponding actions with it and that's what I had to do when we found out about the availability of this and uh, they wanted two and a half million and I had to show up at court and a bid against the people who were there to knock them out of their acquisition and let us acquire. But they, they, they willingly pulled out on September 6th. And then we renegotiated it, got it uh, lowered by 150000 and then went to uh, the court on November 6th. The court approved the deal. Uh, and then we had 30 days to fully fund it. And so that was quite a journey to get the money. And I, so I had 90 days of swing loan money. My 90 days is up February 15th. 
So uh, pray with me that uh, I get all the loan in place. I told the first service this morning that we just got all of our appraisals in this past week. All the uh, various surveys and different things that banks require you to do for these kind of things. But it appraised for double what we, what we paid for. Somebody shout hallelujah. Yeah. So that means all of our margins to get a loan are okay. And uh, we can get the money. Uh, praise the Lord. And then uh, it's, it's phenomenal. So anytime you're in Southern California, we'd love to have you. And I'm going to be hosting periodic uh, gatherings on the love of the Father there and sharing with people how to uh, really give life away or what we call missions uh, evangelism and life-giving ministry so again thanks so much pray with us there's a big picture of it in the magazine those of you that got the magazine this morning and uh, pray with us as we uh, move forward with a whole campus of life center usa it's going to be very 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 thrilling uh, indeed so praise the lord well let's get back into the teaching right now i want to teach just for a little while tonight just to uh, carry us deeper really into this thought about the whole concept of an invitation you and i have it's a it's a standing invitation it just doesn't come periodically it's it's every time you got faith to go to the table you have a standing invitation from the father to feed on the lamb to feed on Jesus. And that's why the Father doesn't want you to have a view of Him as though He's mad at you. No, He's mad about you because the Lamb has come, the Savior has come. And this was all God's plan, God's, God's way to embrace you. And so He prepares really an environment where we can be with Him. And Jesus modeled it. See, Jesus is a perfect picture of the love of the Father toward us. And that's why we talked about this morning, when you see, see and study Jesus's life according to his flesh, you can see that God is good to you. Jesus modeled that. But when you understand Jesus according to his death, you can see that you are good to God. You can understand it's through the obedience of one that righteousness is granted to you. It's not through your obedience. It's through the obedience of one that righteousness has come really available for all. Just as though you know, the whole concept, you receive a gift of righteousness. Uh, you receive an abundance of grace, this unmerited favor. Then reigning becomes a possibility and a reality in your life. But that's why your righteous position by faith always has to be known. That's why you have to anchor yourself in the revelation. Jesus is God's opinion of me. My life is not before the Father based on me. My life is before the Father in Christ. I am in Christ. I'm a new creation. Jesus is now my identity. And Jesus is uh, the best view of you before the Father. And this is why when you renew your mind to the reality of how good you look before God, you don't live disappointed with the, the, the flesh uh, frailty of your humanity. Because as long as you're encased in it, there will be an element about it that will trouble you. Sin is in the flesh. It's not in your spirit. Your spirit's created in righteousness and true holiness. And so when we ended our teaching this morning, I talked to you that in part of dining and feeding on Jesus, it's not to know him according to his life. It's to know him according to his death and to see everybody else the same way. And this is what's hard for us as believers to live this life. Let's just start there real quick. Go with me, if you would, please, to 2 Corinthians Chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and notice I'm getting my glasses out so I, can, so I can read my Bible. One of these days I'm going to get a Bible with bigger print, Heidi. See, if I would like upgrade my life to technology, I could just uh, do that really quickly. But I like the old physical thing. Anyway, here we go. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 15, he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. See, Jesus in his death took our sin and his, in his risenness justified us before the Father. Uh, that's the last two verses of Romans 4. Then in verse chapter 5, verse 1, it says, therefore, because of his death and risenness, we have peace with God. See, it really has nothing to do with you. It has to do with the lamb. And that's why when you get yourself out of the equation, you're, you begin to transform into his likeness. And, and in all these things that hold you don't hold you uh, quite as strongly or, or really any longer for that matter. So verse 16, it says in 2 Corinthians 5, therefore, from now on, we regard no one. Everybody say no one. No. It says you're not to know me according to the flesh. 
See, if you just know Keith Hershey according to the flesh, I will disappoint you. I'm just not that good. If my wife only knows me according to the flesh, my marriage might be a little rocky. But see, we have the grace of God in our marriage, the love of God in our marriage. So we choose not to just know one another according to the flesh. Because I have flesh frailty, she has flesh frailty, and I'm not as, always as perfect. You know, Heidi, Heidi's always perfect, but I'm, I'm quite not always perfect. So we, we regard no one according to the flesh. But see, this unfortunately is the way most people view people. And this is the way religion works. Religion in the old system of the law always measures people according to the flesh. In the new covenant, it's not so. So see, we put judgments against people. We partake of the fruit, you know, really of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. We love to make judgments. And that's really the original sin. Of making a judgment of somebody's position before the Father based on them and not based on the Lamb. And we call people dirty. It says, no, no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Jesus Christ according to the flesh. Remember I said, when you know Jesus according to the flesh, you'll understand you're, you know, God's good to you because he mirrors the perfect will of the Father in the earth. Yeah. You can know God is good to you when you see Jesus in the flesh. But no longer knowing that way, uh, we, we know him according to the cross. We know him according to the finished work. Yeah. And that's why in what we were talking about today, when you come and dine, you feed on the lamb. You feed on what Jesus has done. And then let's go down a few more verses. I don't think you have these, but we can read them. Uh, if you're in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, let me just find it in my Bible. The next verse says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation, right? Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. And then look at, uh, look at the, it says, uh, verse 18 now. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. How, how, how are we reconciled to God? It's not through us. We're reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, right? Look at this. And as he's given us a ministry now of reconciliation. See, we have to call people who they are based on God's view of them, not ours. Because if you're going to make your judgments of the human race based on people, they're never going to be good enough for you. That's why I tell you, when I preach in the nations of the world, I don't see people as sinners, I see him as saints. See, Paul the Apostle did the same thing when he wrote the church of Corinth. He greets people and calls them saints. He says they're sanctified. In fact, when you read all of the, the, the book of 1 Corinthians, they were a bunch of rascals according to the flesh. Huh? Envy, strife, division, backbiting, gossip, you know, fornication, adultery, backbiting, drunkenness. I mean, all kinds of so-called behavioral issues that, that aren't really, you know, proper. But yet, <laughs> Paul calls them saints. See, most of us, we don't like the idea of being called a saint. In our cultural mindset, we think a saint is somebody who, uh, who you know, really was kind of a perfect dude, you know, like got to be like a, a, a reverend, a priest, uh, you know, you got to be somebody who does miracles or something. And all that's wonderful if that's the way men want to honor men. But you know what? Before the father, you're a saint. You're a saint because of the lamb. And Paul calls them that way before there's any natural exhibit of it. Because he's, he's showing them, I'm not seeing you according to your flesh. I'm going to see you according to the cross of Jesus Christ, and I'm going to see you good to God because of the Lamb. And when you announce the righteous position people have before the Father, they awake to their righteousness, and they sin not. Just like this morning when I was teaching, when it was raining outside, you know, uh, the, 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 the rain really shows the cleanliness, even though dust may have settled on the car. By the time the rain has, has washed the dust away, it shows you really how good you look, how clean you are. And that's why we have to announce the righteousness, which is of faith, not the righteousness, which is of you. That's called self-righteousness. And those of you who want to qualify through self-righteousness, you can have at it. But in the end, all you have is self-righteousness. And self-righteousness really has no standing before the Father. So look at the next verse. It goes on to say then in verse... Uh, Verse, where are we at? Uh, 18, 19. It says, that is God was in Christ, 
reconciling the world to himself. Now, can you believe that? Can you believe God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself? Look at this. Not counting their trespasses against them. See, that's, that's tough to do if you're seeing people according to the flesh. See, if you're going to judge people according to the flesh, you're going to always see what's wrong in the flesh. But according to this scripture, God was in Christ in the reconciling of the world, which included this brother, <laughs> hallelujah, in reconciling me. God was in Christ reconciling Keith Hershey along with the rest of the world to himself, not counting their sins against them. So we announce to people, hey, be reconciled to God. This is like even using the phraseology, hey, God's got nothing on you. It stuns people. And when I talk to people who are real good time sinners according to the flesh, they, they, it shocks them. They think, you know, because see, they have a worldview. God's mad at them and God's going to get them. No, God got Jesus on your behalf. And the beautiful thing is we have to understand that what people do in the flesh, there's payday for it. Sin always has a payday. And, uh, you know, um, there, there, there's payday, but, but we have to transform people through the beholding of the Lamb and always draw them back to what Jesus has done. So verses 17, 18, and 19 are so rich and so powerful there. Uh, he's committed to us this ministry of reconciliation. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. And now we're ambassadors for Christ, verse 20. We're ambassadors for Christ. So we, as though God is in us, crying out through us, be reconciled to God. See, I love when the love of the Father is so rich in me, there's something crying out through me that people don't understand because it's really not me. It's God in me crying out, be reconciled to God. You're good to God because of the Lamb. So we have to feed on that. So that's why it's important not to know or see anybody according to the flesh. And we learn from Jesus, uh, you know, this morning on the day of his risenness, when he showed up with the brothers on the road to Emmaus, they didn't know who he was. And they still didn't get it when he preached a New Testament message unveiling the, 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 the death and risenness of Jesus through the old covenant that he preached. Their hearts were warm, but it didn't transform them until they sat down and broke bread. They dined together. And when you feed on the death and risenness of Jesus Christ, their eyes are open. They knew they're good to God and Jesus split because the joy of Jesus is not found in you seeing him physically. The joy of Jesus is found when you understand your identity based on his obedience on your behalf. And when, he, when, when you got it, he's gone. He split and it brought such a strength of a joy. They became ambassadors and announced the news. They went to the other disciples. And all the other disciples said, you're a bunch of liars. Nobody can believe good news. Good news is hard to believe. So Jesus showed up in the room. So if you can read the whole thing, it's in Luke 24. And they all drew back in fear. They thought it was a ghost. And Jesus announced what to preach. The, preach the remission of sins. That your sins have been forgiven at the cross. It's a done deal. And he did it before you got here and before you physically committed any sin. It's the amazing thing of the love of the Father that's hard for us to understand. But that's how good God is to us. So take time and feed on the love of the Lamb. It changes everything. And that's why I told you for, for me and Heidi... We're, we're always taking time to, to uh, have quick communion together. I do it on my own a lot. Heidi probably does it on her own a lot. But we do it together and we'll have the bread, we'll have the wine. I'll say, Heidi, you're good to God because of Jesus. Even though you haven't been very good to me, you're good to God. No, I don't say that. I say, you're good to God because of the lamb. So don't be disappointed in you. Let's get rid of any heaviness, any depression, any, any problem. You're good to God because of the lamb. Let's have a great day. And I do it in my daytime hour. I do it in my nighttime hour. I, I've gotten up before and taken communion because of fear-filled thoughts and oppression. I'm good to God because of the Lamb. Yes. I feed on the love of the Father and you can pull up to the table anytime you want. Thank you, Lord. It's an open invitation. It's a beautiful, beautiful Reality. Now go with me to Acts 10, because this is where I finished this morning. But this is where I really got to launch in a little bit tonight, because I think this is cool. I told you that the whole concept of repentance to change your thinking, to change your mind, is so opposed. 
you know, to some of our worldview that's based on our effort or our performance to qualify. And I told you that Peter, the apostle, you know, he was like the, he was like the kingpin apostle. And uh, he was the guy who denied the Lord. He's the guy who cussed everybody out, you know. Uh, he was the guy then who went off weeping bitterly because of his, his, his human frailty. But yet he was also the one that 40 days later on the day of Pentecost, Acts 2, he was filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other languages like they all did and began to prophesy and declare the goodness of God. And he stood and preached and he preached Jesus and uh, people believed and received 3,000 of them. He said, you can be saved from this perverse and crooked generation. And uh, it's amazing to me. We always, at least in my mindset, maybe not yours, in my mindset, I, I always thought that all the disciples got it. That they got the message of the cross, but they didn't. It took time to renew their minds. So the Holy Spirit was always trying to teach them. That's why even in Peter's writings, he says, man, the things Paul writes about are really hard to understand because Paul was given the revelation of being in Christ. Paul was given the radical revelation of grace that's unmerited, favor that's unmerited, favor that's got nothing to do with you. And so he said, man, what the brother talks about, this is this whole mystery of Christ in you. This is this is hard to get a hold of. It's hard to understand. That's Peter's words now. Okay, but you have to think about now in the book of Acts, when you study these guys, we, we, we finished uh, this morning by going to Acts 10. And, you know, I told you that biblical scholars think that this is anywhere from two years to 10 years after Acts 2. Let's pretend for sake of our discussion, it's 10 years later. Because a lot of scholars believe that if it was 10 years later, I believe from Acts 2 to Acts 10, I believe the Holy Spirit was prodding people. Peter all along to see people differently and to see people like Paul identified not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. See people from God's point of view through the lens of the lamb. Most of us see through the lens of the flesh because we're merit-based people in merit-based systems and cultures. But God sees you, thank God, and God sees me, hallelujah, through the lens of the lamb. I'm good to God only because of the lamb. Only, my only hope is the Lamb of God. And that's why the love of God consumes me. I love it. And that's how Keith Hershey can transform where the things of the flesh aren't as strong in his life, like the old days, you know, before Christ and even as I was growing in Christ. So the beautiful thing is sin doesn't have its heyday in me as frequently but it still periodically shows up because as long as I'm housed in a body, sin is in my flesh. I don't do everything in faith. Whatever is not a faith is sin. I don't always do good. Whatever you don't do, you know, if you know to do good and don't do it, it's sin. You know, those are Bible verses, right? So Keith Hershey still has a frailty about him that I will always have in my flesh. But that's why I'm anchored to the table. That's why I feed on the lamb. And that's how I can get victory. And that's how you get victory over addictions. That's how you get victory over challenges. That's how you get victory over strongholds in your mind. You pull down every thought and make it captive to the obedience of Jesus, not your obedience. It has nothing to do with your willpower. It has everything to do with the finished work of the Lamb. And this is, this is what will give your heart peace. This will let, let you breathe. This will let you see those around you that are rascals according to the natural man, but dynamic according to the spirit of what Jesus has done for them. So in Acts 10, 10 years later, we're saying in our illustration, Jesus gets a hold of Peter, the kingpin disciple. and says, okay, since you can't take the promptings, let me do something a little more serious. Let me just put you out. Let me just sedate you. And I'm going to have you sit at my table. Remember I told you when you sit at a banquet or maybe you're at a family function or a Thanksgiving or a Christmas meal or something and they pass things around the table. You may not take everything because there may be some things that don't fit your palate. You know what you do? You pass the plate. But you, you're, you still remain very polite. You say, oh, thanks so much, but not today. My plate is very full. You're basically saying many times, I don't like that, Right. And so we all have our ways to pass the plate and we do it spiritually as well, because sometimes the father gives us things about the work of the lamb that's hard to swallow. 
it's very hard to swallow. It requires faith. I'm going to put something on your plate that you may enjoy. You may chew on it, or some of you may pass the plate. It's okay. I tell people, listen, you, you never have to agree with me. Just pass the plate. It's, it's okay. You know, it's like when Heidi cooks for me, and she, she cooks all the time. When I'm home, she always makes every meal for, 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 for me and, and the family. It seems like the kids are over there all the time. They must be, they must be hungry, too. What's, the, what's going on, anyway? <laughs> seems like we're feeding the whole world down there. What's happening here? Anyway, Heidi, Heidi likes to have family meals. And uh, she always makes good things. She's a, she's a good cook, as you can tell. I'm, I'm fattened. I'm a fattened heifer. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm a fattened calf. I'm well fed. But, um, you know, there have been times that I've bit into something and I thought, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Huh? No, we're, it might not have been the best. You know, and, and, you know, maybe in our whole marriage of 31 years, I'd say, Heidi, I just don't think that's my ticket. You know, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. But I don't think we need to make this again for about 100 years, you know, or whatever. You know, you, there, there are certain things that don't hit your palate. Spiritually speaking, it's the same thing. There may be something that you just pass. It's okay. It's okay. There's other things you can feed on. But if you want your heart gripped with the love of God, there's certain things you can only get from the Lamb. You can only get from the Lamb. And it has to do with your view of you before the Father. It has to do with your view of people before the Father. And you can quickly tell what you're feeding on by your view of them. So Peter, remember, he was ministering to the Jewish folk, the people who had personal performance to qualify for righteousness. Paul was sent to the Gentile. But the work of Jesus, we read in 2 Corinthians 5, wasn't to have a system that excluded people. It was a system that included people. And that's why I talked about before when I've been here about the covenant. The old covenant system was faulty because it was only given for the Jewish folk based on personal performance. The new covenant given to the whole world. And, and, and it's amazing what the blood of the lamb has done. So you know the story here in Acts 10. Peter you know, is sedated. He's in a trance. And, and uh, the father gives him a message in the trance. You know, he gives him a heavenly picnic. We're talking about coming and dining. And since Peter wouldn't pull himself up to the table, Jesus said, I'll deal with you and I'll put the table right, right upon you. The Lord has a way to get eventually to your heart. The Lord has a way to surprise you with himself. And it, it comes in the most bizarre ways at times. In this case, it was in a, a vision in a trance. And you know the story fell into a trance. Verse 11, he saw heaven open, an object like a great sheep bound at the four corners descending to him. And he led down to the earth all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, birds of the earth. A voice came to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. What's, what's, what's really the Lord trying to do? He's trying to make him repent or change his thinking. To shift out of a system that viewed people based on their flesh and viewed people based on the lamb. So Peter responded to the vision. He said, not so, Lord. In other words, I don't like that dish. Let me just pass it. Not so, Lord, for I have never called, uh, never eaten anything common or unclean. So in other words, he says, listen, I'm abiding by my, by my Bible verses. I'm abiding by my covenant of the Mosaic law. And in your word, it says, I can't touch none of that stuff. So the father said, okay, you don't get what I'm talking about. So why don't you just stay sedated? And let me pass the plate around the table one more time. You know what Peter said? Not so, Lord. I've, I've, I, I can't handle any of that. You know, I've never eaten anything common or clean. And then the third time it happened. This was done three times, it says in verse 16. Verse 15 says, a voice spoke to him again the second time saying, what God has cleansed, you must not call common or unclean. And this is the beautiful thing. God's not talking about that you, you, you and I can eat whatever we want, even though you can eat whatever you want. Have at it. It's sanctified, bless it, just enjoy it. But Jesus didn't die on the cross so you could have your favorite, you know, sushi bar, you know, shellfish, whatever. 
No, Jesus died for the world. And so it says, look in verse 17. It says, while Peter wondered within himself what this vision which he had seen meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius, Gentiles, had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. They called Simon and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, and lodging there. While Peter thought on the vision, now he's trying to interpret what the meal was about. See, the meal is about the lamb. The meal is about that what God has done in Christ, yes. don't call dirty again. Yes. See, most of us call people dirty because we're seeing them only from the flesh view. We're not seeing them from God's view. And this is a hard shift. I'll just be honest with you. It's very, 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 very hard. Because we all, we all like to pile on people, don't we? We all like to make judgments. We all like to say, that person's got to be going to hell. We, we, we like to pile on because we're trying to qualify people before the Father based on themselves and not qualifying people before the Father based on himself. See, I think the mercy and the love of God is so dramatic and so powerful. God can get to anybody at any time before they check out of here. He can, he can sedate people, and when we go pray for him, I had a guy call me a couple days ago, and he was so dis, dis, uh, confused and frustrated. A very precious person he loved was, you know, in the hospital, and he didn't know if the guy ever said the sinner's prayer. I said, don't worry whether he said the sinner's prayer. I said, you go in there and grab him by his hand and tell him he's good to God because of the lamb. You don't know how the spirit of God, it's the goodness of God that will draw people to repentance. And I tell you what, God has ways to connect and communicate with everyone everywhere. Yeah. I mean, creation itself tells of his glory yes. and tells of his magnificent love. You just see them the way God sees them. Clean. So uh, the spirit of God quickened Peter, rise, go with these dudes, right? And so listen to this for the sake of time. Let's go real quick. Verse 24, they came to Caesarea, this Gentile house. Cornelius was waiting. He called everybody down. He, you know, Peter came in. Cornelius met him, fell down at his feet, worshipped him. Peter said, hey, get up, bro. What's going on? I'm just a, I'm just a man. Peter, people get goofy, you know, with, with religion and, and, and think people are like super superheroes. You know, I'm just a water boy. I just distribute the love of the Father. There's nothing in me that's worth nothing except for the blood of the lamb. Nothing. And, and Peter recognized this. Then he said to them, notice this, verse 28. Then he said to them, you know how unlawful, everybody say unlawful. unlawful. That means it's against the word. You know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go into one of another nation. But God has showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Think about this. Now, Peter's just meditating on the vision, and he's understanding from the vision the love of the Lamb. Basically, what God has done through Christ, don't call dirty. So it changed his thinking. He repented of his world cube from an old system based on exclusion to a new system based on inclusion. Jesus modeled it. And that's why we, 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 we studied it through, through the teaching this morning. Jesus modeled it in his ministry and it, made, it gave people fits. Because Jesus would see people clean. Everybody else saw him dirty. So look at it, it says. Let's just go down uh, uh, verse 33. So I sent for you, Cornelius says, and you've come. Now, therefore, we're all present before God to hear the things commanded to you by God. So now they want to hear what Peter has to say. Look at Peter says, Peter opened his mouth, verse 34, and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. Now, let me just pause for a minute. Is that what God said? Did God say everyone who fears him and works righteousness is accepted. No, God said, if you read the, the, what we read, God said that they're accepted because of the lamb. But see, Peter, from the time he got that to the time he got to Cornelius' house, still couldn't fully digest it. But that's not really what God said in the vision. God said, don't you call dirty what I call clean. And Peter still had to add kind of a qualification to do something. But really, technically... That's not what God said. He said, I perceive. He says, I'm perceiving God showing me this. 
that whoever works righteousness, and that's why, see, we get into our mindset that unless you're working righteousness, you're not accepted by God. And that's why religion chases people away by the millions. Because we don't take Jesus' approach to dine with people and see them good to God because of his work and not their work. And if they can believe and receive and keep feeding on him, works of righteousness will come forth. But not to qualify. You don't have to qualify to be accepted. Peter added that in his perception. But that's not what God said when you read the whole story. So it's interesting to me. Look at this. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel preaching peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. Somebody say hallelujah. The word you know which began in Galilee uh, after the baptism, John preached how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him and we are witnesses of all these things that he did, both in the land of Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, uh, not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen uh, by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. Now, why did I pause there? Because he's talking about coming and dining. He gives the model of ministry Jesus used to feast on the obedience of one, Jesus Christ. And then it goes on to say this, and he commanded us to preach to the people and testify that it is he who is ordained by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. And let me tell you, if Jesus is your judge and you are in Christ, you have a favorable judgment coming. Most people, when they think of judgment, it's going to be always unfavorable. How do we think that? You have a favorable judgment because of the Lamb, because the Lamb was judged on your behalf. That ought to make somebody want to shout hallelujah. You have a favorable judgment because of Jesus. Look at this. It goes on to say, to him, all the prophets uh, witness that through his name, whoever believes in him shall receive forgiveness of sins. It's amazing. Peter's actually quoting from what Jesus talked about in, in Luke 24. It's amazing to me. Don't call dirty what I've cleaned. Can you, can, can you feed on that? Can you eat that or is that just too much? It's like, man, I don't know. If people aren't working righteousness and being goody two-shoes, there's no way they can have favor with God. Okay. Okay. See, I'm trying to renew my mind to have every judgment of mankind filtered through the lens of the Lamb. Because then I can approach people with openness and no judgment, and I can present what Jesus has done, and people believe and receive. It's astonishing the way you go about dining with people. And uh, this is, now I'm just kind of saying this, testifying of my own little world that I'm trying to figure out because it's complicated in cross-cultural ministry and different worldviews of people. It's, it's very, very complicated at, at times. And so the easiest thing that this simple gospel preacher can do is just come back to the fact of recognizing what Jesus has done and calling it good. And if the Father said they're clean in Christ, I call you, I call you good to God. I say to you, your sins are forgiven you. They say, huh? Yeah, your sins are forgiven you. That's what Jesus, your sins are forgiven you. It's, it's, it's wonderful. So through this whole concept of coming and dining, remember this was about 10 years after Peter was baptized in the Holy Spirit, and he still had to change his mind to the full effects of the cross. And so if you can feed on it, great. If you pass the plate, great. But I promise you this, everything about the work of the Lamb will resurface in your life. The Lord has ways to draw us all back because in the end, we're going to see such a dramatic presentation of the love of the Lamb that it astounds uh, human hearts. It's really wonderful. So when you come and dine and feed on Jesus, things will happen. Uh, one thing, uh, people, uh, Peter, he's a good example. He was restored and reconciled through a meal. He came and dined, sat with Jesus. John 21, 15, it says, When they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? Remember, he's the one who died. He's the one who collapsed. He's the one who cussed everybody out. Jesus never rebuked him. Jesus just loved him, called him good to God because of what he had done, and said, do you love me? Feed my lamb. I tell you what, uh, 
after you fail, after you fall, Jesus always invites you to, to feed on his love for you. That's why when I fail in my little life and I have a, a flesh moment, no matter how simple or little it seems to be, I love to, I love to take communion. I love to tell myself because of the, the body of Jesus, because of the blood of the Lamb, I am good to God, strictly because of the Lamb. And I tell you, it gets you the victory over the sin and over condemnation, over these nagging things that hold you down because none of us are perfect. And then you're equipped to feed folks. God takes the broken people to feed folks in the love of the Father. And that's why Heidi and I, our lives, you know, really, you know, we've broken people. Totally broken. But the love of God in Christ fixes everything. It's magnificent. See, Zacchaeus was forgiven and reconciled in a meal because he came and dined. Luke 19, 5. Jesus came to the place. He looked up and saw it was Zac. Remember, he was up in the tree. There's a lot of modern-day Zacchaeuses. They're crafty. They rip you off. Huh? I've had some challenging things here in the last, like, 60 days. Man, I got angry. Whew. I wish I could tell you I never got angry. Man, I got furious. People ripping, ripping me off. In this thing, and I had to calm down in the love of the Father and not make a judgment against it and hold my peace and say, God, you're going to restore. You're going to restore. There's a lot of modern day Zacchaeuses, but Jesus loves them. Jesus never condemned him. He said, Hey, Zach, come on down. Today, I want to hang out at your house. Let's share a meal. And Jesus just goes to the house. <laughs> they pass the goodies, and somehow, in the love of the Lamb, Zach changes his worldview of Jesus and he repents, changes his mind. And then he restores people he ripped off. He's changed. See, your inclusion of people by seeing them clean while they're still dirty is huge. But this is the way restoration happens. The father gave another example. The prodigal son was reconciled and celebrated in a meal. You know the story how he split, spent all his papa's money. And... Uh, the father saw him from a distance coming back, and he, he, he ran to get him. And even when the guy, the prodigal son, wanted to announce all the sins and say, Dad, I'm such a loser, the father said, just put, a, just put your hand over your mouth. He wouldn't even hear the nonsense. Father never saw him dirty. Father saw him clean. The love of God will pull you back. That's why you can't look at your kids with disappointment, nor your spouse, nor the visiting preacher. You can't look at people. You can't look at people with disappointment. See, what the Father has you feed on is the fact they're good to God from God's worldview, not from human worldview. No, we, we always see the dirt. And we like to talk about it. You know, that's why, why TV and news is so uh, enticing to people. It's always dirt. Hmm? People's gossip and opinions. And, and what that does, if you, if you take that into the unmerited system of the cross, it will mess with you. And you'll have a whole works-based worldview. And uh, it'll frustrate you. So the father took the, the boy back and killed the fatted calf. Said, man, let's have some nice steaks. Hallelujah. Let's have a party. Let's eat, drink, be merry. Everybody couldn't see the, the boy the same way the, the brother could, you know. So the brother just stayed up in the attic or something at the house, stayed up in his room. The father said, hey, can't you see him the way I see him? The brother said, no way. The dude's a loser. He's been out with wine, women, and song. He's, a, he's an alcoholic. He's a loser. He's a fornicator. He's, 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 he's rotten. Father says, I see him clean. And the older brother says, well, I've done so many good things for you. And, and, and the father says, hey, bro, listen, everything I have is yours. Come, just feed, enjoy. See, the, the, the boy, the older son couldn't see it. He was the real loser. Even though his religious self-righteousness in his mind, he thought he's the winner. See, self-righteousness will make you think good of yourself in term of quali qualifying terms, but you never have a deep abiding joy. The joy comes in the Lamb of God. The joy comes when you take the invitation and come and dine. It's awesome. Charles Wesley, you know, wrote about a zillion hymns. You ought to read some of the lyrics. They're awesome. 
He's got a, he's got a, a song called Come and, uh, Come and Dine and Feast. It talks about come sinners to the gospel feast. Let every soul be Jesus' guest. Every soul. Can you, can you handle that? Or can you just handle you because you're so wonderful? Can you handle the fact that everyone's been pre-approved? If they're in a different religion, if they're in a different political worldview, can you handle it? Or do you just have a judgment based on your performance in an earthly environment versus theirs? It says, come sinners, you need not be left behind, for God hath bid all mankind. Come, all you souls, by sin oppressed, you restless wanders after rest, you poor and maimed and sick and blind, in Christ a hearty welcome find. Come and partake the gospel feast, be saved from sin in Jesus' rest, and taste the goodness of your God and eat his flesh and drink his blood. We talked about that. It's the only thing that disappointed Jesus' audience most is feeding on the lamb, and it's the same today. What disappoints people more is when you put all the qualifications on the lamb of God, people don't like it. They draw back and think you've gone mad. How can you see somebody good when they're so bad? I choose to see them through the lens of the land. It's hard for me to do, but that's what I'm working on. Hallelujah. I'm feeding on the fact what God has cleansed. I will not call dirty. You vagrant souls, on you I call, that my voice should reach you all, that you may now be justified. You all may live for Christ has died. Sinners, my gracious Lord receives harlots, oh my, 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 harlots and publicans and thieves, drunkards, and you all, and all you hellish crew, I have a message now to you. The worst unto my supper press, monsters of daring wickedness. Tell them, my grace for all is free. They cannot be too bad for me. Pretty cool lyrics. Written a couple hundred years ago. And then somehow, in some way, we make everything about us qualifying. I tell you what, friend, I am just going to sit at the table every day and pile it on high and deep. I'm going to feast on the love of the Lamb. And I'm going to drink his blood straight up. And I'm going to feed on his finished work. Did you like the word tonight? Give the Lord a shout, somebody. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Put your hands over your heart.